Hello, and thank you for joining us once again for the Gardens MH podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Goku, and with me tonight is Joe. How we doing? Nate. Howdy. And Alan. Stop. If you're joining us uh, for the first time, Gardens MH is a 501c3 nonprofit focused on promoting mental health awareness throughout the gaming community. And with, and with being the first step assisting individuals with gathering inform- meaningful resources in a safe and inclusive atmosphere. Her podcast is another way to normalize thinking about mental health and is a fusion of mental health topics and gaming. So tonight, please welcome our guests from Capes on the Couch, Anthony and Doc Issues. How's it going, guys? For having us. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming on tonight and making time for us. I know this is a little little later than uh, what you both are used to. I mean, we are night owls, but... Uh, oh, I'm a definite night owl. As a matter of fact, I have to find a way to get some sleep before my daughter turns into one as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to be a night owl, um, but then I had a kid, and he wakes up at between 6 and 6.30 every day, so... By like nine thirty, my wife and I are look at each other and go, "All right, that's it. We're done." Yeah, <laughs> what's on TV? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Going to bed. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's bed. <laughs> no, we endure. Uh, that's uh, one of the reasons why we record every two weeks, and so we kind of give ourselves a week off. But no, thank you both so much for uh, taking the time and uh, coming on with us. It's going to be a blast, and uh, it's such an honor having you both on. No problem. Anything for fellow Month of Health Avengers. Yes, absolutely. It's so much fun when we get the opportunity to do those. And I see that the chats. Yeah, are, I, I love them. <laughs> yep. The chats are blowing back up to try and line up the next one that we're doing. I think we're looking at the 19th right around there. Yeah, yeah we're, we're looking at the 19th. We just need a time. Uh, actually, I was going to talk to uh, Doc, Doc Issues rather <laughs> and find out uh, what time would be good for him uh, on the 19th. So um, Doc, we'll talk offline. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Well, why don't we jump right into it? Uh, you know, for those that might not be, you know, familiar who you are, why don't you uh, both uh, introduce yourself and introduce uh, Capes on the Couch? Uh, well, I'll start. Um, I'm Anthony Sitko. I am an attorney um, by trade, and uh, I am one of the co-hosts of Capes on the Couch. We are a podcast that it discusses mental health issues of comic book characters and superheroes, and we use uh, pop culture to much like uh, Guardians MH, we use pop culture to uh, destigmatize a lot of the discussions around mental health. And uh, I rely very heavily upon my co-host and uh, good friend and brother, uh, Doc Issues, who is a board-certified psychiatrist, um, to help with the analysis of the characters. So, Doc? Yep, that's me, Doc Issues. I'm a <laughs> board-certified psychiatrist. I've been in practice for, oh my goodness, a decade uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've had experience with private practice, with being a director for a psychiatric emergency crisis service, as well as my current position as the director and chairman of an inpatient psychiatric hospital. So that's what I bring to the table, as well as being a huge geek. That includes video games, that includes comics, that includes a lot of other esoteric stuff that we'll never get into. But <laughs> I just love having fun. And Anthony certainly uh, scratches my itch when it comes to putting together the most weird conversations along with actually talking about the destigmatization of, meg- of uh, mental health. <laughs> Nobody I'd rather do the show with than you, brother. 
Yeah, I've been following your show for for quite a while, and and I must say it's a blast every single episode. Thank you, thank you. We we try we try and mix uh, the educational and the entertainment because we know that if we kept it um, strictly uh, technical and and very um, you know heavy minded that uh, it would be boring. I think it would be boring to listen to, but more importantly, it would be boring for us to do um, because mm-hmm. that's not who either of us are, and we certainly do not take ourselves. Uh, terribly seriously. That's why we have the, the skits at the end of every episode. It gives us an opportunity to play around with and have fun with these characters that we have come to, uh, you know, really know and love. So, uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun and we've been doing it now for, you know, over two years, over, over 75 episodes and uh, just continuing to, uh, to grow and grow our, uh, our audience bit by bit. So, uh, so how do you come up with those skits? Cause it's, <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll field this. I mean, well, first of all, I'm not going to take a lot of credit. Anthony usually is the one that really gets things germinating. But really, it's just the the back and forth that we've had as best friends for so many years. Uh, Anthony has a significant background when it comes to theater, when it comes to that type of entertainment, radio as well. So he brings that to the table. Me, I have no professional experience whatsoever. However, I do have a decent amount of creativity and we just play off each other. We Sometimes I write them mostly, sometimes he writes them mostly, uh, but either way, we put them together. And because we have such a good dynamic we play off each other so well it usually ends up cracking us up before it cracks anyone else up and that to me is the best sign you know i don't i don't worry about who else is going to laugh if i'm laughing it's all good if (laughs) that's the most important part it's it's good then then we know we've hit on something um we try not to do too much where it's um inside jokes or stuff that only we're gonna get we really try and avoid that um, but, uh, we, we do, a, we try and keep a good mixture, like I said, of educational and, and, uh, entertainment. So, and some, some skits are, are really, really heavy. You know, we don't anticipate that they're necessarily going to start off that way, but we really try to do our best to, um, capture the voice of the, the characters that we're talking about and what their particular issues are. And depending on what we're discussing in an episode, um, like what that character's issues are, we will bring them into the skit and then they can be really, really heavy sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. and even in ways that we didn't necessarily, uh, anticipate, um, which one of the Robins that we do doc that it was like, um, it was, it was crazy heavy. Um, Jason Todd, Jason Todd was kind of heavy, but no, you're, I, I mean, Yeah. Yeah, you know, actually, who, who was the the one that um he he lost the kid and uh was it um uh was oh was it uh, Roy Harper? Yeah, it was Roy. Harper's. That's right. That one was. I mean, uh, I cried recording it. Um, we cried writing it. So yep. yeah, um, I remember that. So it it depends, and then like we just did uh, we just did Kamala Khan, um, and we had our first ever open casting call, um. For, we were looking for a, a young uh, Muslim uh, woman uh, to play Kamala Khan, um, and uh, she did a fantastic job. Uh, Nur Chaudhry is her name, and uh, she just did a, a great job um, giving it an authentic feel. 
um, to the character. And so that's what we really try to, uh, to, to capture. Um, you know, each, each skit is based on We try and be as organic as possible. Um, you know, and true to the character because we do, we, we never want to come across like we're disrespecting the, the, the character and certainly not disrespecting the issues, the legitimate uh, trauma or struggles that they're going through because we use this as a way, as, as we say, to destigmatize the discussion around mental health. And so we don't want to ever make light of the character's problems because we don't want our audience to think that we're making light of their problems because someone listening to the show is probably going to have uh, or relate to those characters in some way. And we don't ever want to make our audience feel like we're making light of their struggles. But using those types of characters, I know for me, my own practice, I use pop culture a lot. So last year I I trained with uh, Dr. Janina Scarlett on her uh, superhero therapy and she's doing amazing and tremendous work. And it's helped me so much in my own practice because I was doing it before taking that, that training. And I find it so powerful with certain types of clients that you bring in certain metaphors or ways to explain certain mental health challenges in a way that they may have not have thought about before. Oh, that's, that's definitely true. And I would say, well, before this whole COVID thing hit, when I was actually on the units, uh, I had several experiences where it would start organically with patients. A uh, patient would be wearing, you know, I'll, I'll just say a generic Marvel or DC shirt with different characters on it. Some of them kind of obscure, some of them more well-known. And I would just, you know, just randomly ask like, Hey, are you a fan? You know, um, I would never self-promote. Let me just say that. But mm-hmm. I, the patients could clearly tell that I wasn't faking that I knew about those characters. And I'd say, is that someone that you connect with? And, and we would take it from there. And for some patients that honestly wouldn't talk about anything, they wouldn't talk about their personal life. They wouldn't talk about their drug problems. They wouldn't talk about anything for, for like maybe the first day or two that they're in the hospital out of nowhere, they would just start opening up about everything. It, it's, it can be the ultimate doorway. So I've, I've certainly come to appreciate that. I didn't realize that's what it was going to be, but I, I definitely have a healthy respect for that now. So it's, it wasn't just when we, Anthony and I, when we created this, initially it was the idea, and, and I don't know about Anthony, but I'll say for myself, I had the concern, is this too niche? Is this something that really is going to be something that people can connect to? And, and people that don't even know about our podcast will, will say like, hey, Doc, I know you're a fan. Uh, can, you know, you know, can, what, are, what are your thoughts on, on you know, from from Avengers, Thor getting fat, you know, like, well, there you go. That's that, that's an opportunity that some people wouldn't mm-hmm. have ever taken, you know, about self-esteem, about personal, you know, personal self-worth. I'm like, man, oh, man, this is way more powerful than I ever realized. So mm-hmm. the fact that we are placed in that space is it's actually an honor. Yeah. And the fact that we are able to find so many like-minded shows like the other mental health Avengers, like Guardians and Popcorn Psych and Pop Psych 101 and Freudian Sips and, you know, um, all of these these other people and, and shows that we've been able to um, interact with through podcasting that we never would have met had we started the show. Um, and now we've, you know, we've got friends. I consider the, the Guardians crew to be friends. Um, Popcorn Psych, they're good friends. I mean, we've met so many interesting people uh, through this show that we never would have interacted with otherwise. 
And that to me, I think is one of the greatest things uh, to come out of this show. Not um, in addition to obviously the feedback that we get from our audience and from our fans to say, Hey, I really read, you know, this issue, this episode really resonated with me because I was able to relate to this character uh, in a way that I didn't really, I didn't know much about this character, but after you explained what they're going through, I can, you know, sort of correlate that with some experiences in my own life. And so I'm going to try and use some of the treatment options that you suggested for this character. I'm going to use them in my own life. I mean, we hear that all the time from, from our fans, um, you know, in the social media or discord or YouTube comments or whatever um, emails. And so that is, that's what keeps us going is, is knowing that we, we make those connections and we have this impact. Um, it's, it's beyond us at this point. And I, um, I, you know, and again, I, I think I can speak for doc when I say it's just such an honor to be in service of something greater than yourself. I think it just gives us that drive and that push. Um, and that's another reason why we do take it. I, again, I don't want to say we take ourselves incredibly seriously, but we do take what we do and what we say, we do take that seriously. And we don't ever, as I said, want to make light of the, the issues that we discuss because um, we don't ever want to make light of what people are going through. You know, we had the the issue very early on, Doc, you remember with Cyclops, that, that whole um, oh, yeah. thing. There was an instance where we were accused on Reddit of making light of um, Scott Summers, Cyclops, because it was a running gag through our episode that Scott is a dick. Um, and uh, so we were, we were, accused, <laughs> um, you know, basically mocking uh, Scott Summers because of traumatic brain injury potentially. And we we're like, we were not coming at it at all from that angle. And if that's how you took it, um, you know, not to like make the cop out apology, but like, if that's how you took it, I'm sorry. That was, it was, seriously not our intent but we're sorry if we upset you um this is what we were trying to say and we're sorry if we were inartful about it and i think since then um, we've tried to do a better job of um just really being mindful although anytime scott summers does come up we we do like to say that you know cyclops is a dick um (laughs) i'm sorry i don't mean to chuckle but I, i think back to every cartoon every movie representation you know in the comics like he does have a little bit of a chip, you know. He, that was the entire point, and and you know, but so is but, Captain America, though he's very dedicated to his role and everything. So is Scott right. Summers more just passionate about it, and people just don't see that reflection. I, I well, uh, you know, you're talking to a Cap fanboy who's got the Captain America shield tattooed on his shoulder. So I would argue that Cap is definitely not a dick. Um, at all (laughs) the distinction is that scott is very much um the ends justify the means and so he doesn't care what you think of his style as long as you follow him and as long as you get it done he's he's much more results oriented i'll put it that way um scott whereas cap certainly appreciates the results but he's not going to do it if it's going to, you know, cause harm to people, he'll find Cap will find another way. Scott, with Scott, the, you know, the shortest path between two points is a, is a direct line. You know, whatever else is in the way, be damned. Um, Cap is is not like that at all, and I think that's a major um, 
distinction. We saw that certainly in the Avengers vs. X-Men storyline, but you know, we're getting off track. <laughs> Sorry, I'll take the blame for that one because I, I asked for it. Hey, sidetracking is part of our show. As soon as you mentioned Captain America, I'm like, I must I must defend Cap. <laughs> I have three shields uh, you know, in my office. So Really? Three? Three. Wow. Of various sizes and quality and materials, but yes, three shields in addition to the, the tattoo cap is my my one a to moon knight's one b what about you doc issues you got like the tony stark core like <laughs> on your desk so i have thought about that numerous times uh no i'm not big on collecting memorabilia as anthony will tell you because he's been in my house we're already a bunch of clutter bugs as it is so yeah. I'm not allowed to to bring extra stuff in, but yeah, I definitely am an Iron Man, Tony Stark fanboy. Um, I, I've been that way for the longest time because the idea of millionaire playboy philanthropist has always been something that uh, I can't say I've ever aspired to because I never in my life would ever be a playboy. But the millionaire philanthropist part always sounded really awesome. So the idea behind any character that clearly has uh, some personality quirks, uh, rubs people the wrong way, looks at the world sometimes through such a myopic lens, and yet at his core, no pun intended, still is looking to do the greatest amount of good for the greatest amount of people at almost all times. I always consider that to be something to aspire to. Um, we definitely, when we did our episode on Tony Stark, we talked about his alcoholism. Uh, we talked about his uh, his intellectualism, sometimes just ignoring his emotions. And as we were doing the episode, thankfully, I, I don't have an alcohol problem, but I, I realized, like, wow, this could just about happen to anybody. And and that was really early on. Was that our second episode? That was, Maybe I the think, third? third. I think, yeah. yeah. It was yeah, because Joker was second. Joker yeah. was second. Right. Joker and then Tony Stark. Right. So it was back when we were still ad-libbing the skits. Yeah. Yeah. That oof, don't remind me of that. <laughs> but it, I think that's where I realized that this had legs because I didn't have to just play a professional part. I realized I could let a little bit of myself sneak in there. Uh, it allowed for a much more positive feel to the entire thing. I love what Marvel does with characters, even though full disclosure, I did not grow up a huge Marvel fan. I was much more into DC comics. I was much more in the Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern camp. So I got into Joker it much fan. later. You were. I was what? A Joker fan. That's who you were. Why you got to paint me like a psychopath, man? Never Everybody's a Joker a fan. fan. Well, Joker is such an interesting character. <laughs> yeah. well, it, it's an enigma. In, in all of comics, uh, I have to say, because this is coming from, I'm a really big Batman fan, but Batman's Rose Gallery, to yeah. me, it's kind of one of the best in all of comics. Oh, we, we could have just focused, and in a way we have, on the Rogue's Gallery itself and made that the show. That's, mm-hmm. that's just how good it is. Well, and, we have one who who is uh, every episode is for for her patreon pick uh it's it's a member of the bat family or it's a, a batman character um you know whenever so whenever much. ariel picks an episode it's related to to batman uh so if you're hearing us do a batman related episode 
it, there's a 90% chance Ariel picked it. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. I know we could sit here and chat all night about comics and everything, but tonight we're talking about, uh, we figure we would talk about, uh, Alan actually brought this topic up and it's cyber bullying and the growing issues. And, uh, these times of like self-isolation, uh, streaming and things are becoming more popular. There was a huge influx of people streaming and reaching out to telecommunication teletherapy and figure we would touch on that. So Dr. Goku, you want to lead us into it? Sure. So bullying is not a new concept. It's something that's been going on for quite a while. Uh, but given this digital age, uh, even more so now with uh, just our smartphones, we are accessible everywhere. So back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, kids would still get bullied at school but then they would go home and they have that safe place where they would go out to the park and then they could go home. Then came the age of the internet, but we had no real social media at, at worst. We had the, the early MSN or, or uh, IRC chat rooms, but even then you could turn it off or your mom would pick up the phone and turn off the internet so you could kind of have an escape from that. But now with every kid having a smartphone, having uh, a Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, no longer really have Facebook. Facebook is for older people technically now. So, But they're accessible everywhere. Forget TikTok. Oh, yeah, TikTok. You're right. But they can be bullied everywhere. And now with the, the COVID-19 pandemic and everyone being isolated at home, people being bored, there's an uptick in people doing things just to screw with people because they're bored. It, it's fun for them, but it's not fun for the people that are on the receiving end. People are using these technologies to stay connected, to communicate with their families to interact with people that they can't. Uh, we heard this week, was it this week uh, that zoom has just been taken off, but there was a massive security exploit within zoom where people could just hop into your room and either eavesdrop or interact with the room. That's kind of a form of cyber bullying, depending on what's being done. And within bullying, it's always that fear. So it's that anxiety. And I always talk about anxiety being that fear of something happening, the intolerance of uncertainty. With bullying back in the day, it was the, oh my God, I'm going to go to school. What's going to happen? Now it's almost like trauma of every time you get a ding on this, is it going to be a text from my parents, my significant other, or something I don't want to to receive my boss yeah but or is it something that's even more so we're so easily accessible and our information easily attainable that privacy is a real issue so regarding to this topic i, I want to get uh, our guest's opinion on cyberbullying. well i think you hit on a huge component of it uh, a lot of it has to do with what used to be at least a certain amount of downtime if you were bullied at school physically and 
heaven forbid it was also on the way home from school or whatever, when you got home, that was at least a temporary refuge. You could recharge your battery. You could talk to a sibling or talk to your parent if they, if you thought they understood. Now, I think there's a few other branches there that, that make it worse because obviously there is no time limit to it. There's no spatial limit to it. And also there may be a generational gap. It's very hard sometimes for an older parent or, or other adult that may not be as familiar with these technologies to recognize the severity of the types of comments or, or visual things that people may be saying or doing uh, to get a reaction from the person. So once you introduce the idea that this is not just something that is in the moment going to affect you, and not only are you going to have anxiety about whether or not it's going to happen, but you're going to get bombarded. You're, it's, it's a situation where it doesn't matter if you're sleeping. Like you said, that ding happens, that alert, then fine, you ignore it. But only to know that the next time you pick up your phone, it's still there. It's always going to be there. And unless you delete accounts, and even if you do delete accounts, it's going to continue to be there. And Nothing you delete from the internet is really deleted. Deleted, correct. Exactly. So there's also the aspect of, oh boy, I, I, I even hate to say this, but sometimes even the people that are considered friends uh, may not recognize, they, they may think that they're just joining in and it's it's all lighthearted things and they may not know what the person that's being bullied is really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst examples I think were, were swatting. That was, I, I actually had a patient that, that had that experience and they, they basically thought that their life was over because at the moment when the police were there, they figured that I, I, I must, it, it was so interesting. They basically had, convinced themselves in the span of a matter of minutes that whatever had happened, their life was done and they couldn't change it. And, and even when they described it to me, they realized it wasn't their fault. I said, okay, but how does that make you feel emotionally? And they, and they just said, well, I must be worthless. Why, why else would, would people treat me this way? So it went from the anxiety of, you know, well, what could happen or what's the next thing to depression, which was, well, it, it has happened. And, and I guess they're right, which, which, you know, was even worse and, and led to the person being suicidal. So it, this, and, and that's the other thing. This isn't just people making offhand comments. This is, this is people saying, I, I mean, literally saying things like kill yourself or, 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 you know, even worse and, and giving no nuance to it, giving no, no other thought to it. Just, just incredibly flippant. So it's, it's the, the irony of, something that may sound so shallow ends up cutting even deeper. What happens as well is back in the day before cell phones, we could do something and it'd be remembered in a way. So, Oh, remember when so-and-so did such a thing, Mm. but it gets forgotten. Mm. Now with cell phones, there's pictures, there's video, and those are all ammunition to be used in, in bullying in terms of we have this piece of footage or something that's going to be ever looming. Mm-hmm. So you always have this threat of, is this ever going to come out for some reason? Yeah. And the, the other thing that I want to add is that 
so many of these uh, these cyber bullies are kids or teenagers. Uh, not all of them, obviously, but but this does happen a lot, where the victims, in particular, do not have the experience or the maturity, and I'm not saying this in a derogatory fashion, obviously, but they don't have the experience or the maturity to understand that this will pass or that this, in the grand scheme of things, isn't a big deal because they are living with these people basically every day. And then to, to Doc Issue's point, you know, it used to be a, a situation where you had downtime, you know, when, when we all were in high school, you know, grammar school and high school, we are, we all on this show basically are, are of an age, or at least I believe we're all old enough to remember a time before cell phones, you know, and, and I'm certainly grateful that all the stupid stuff that I did as a kid, um, only lives on in, in memory. Um, but to the point that a lot of these kids don't understand that, or they think that because this is all that they know, that this is all that there is. And so it carries a greater meaning to them because this is their world and it's so much smaller, even though we live in a world now where, you know, we can be interconnected with anybody from the globe. Um, it also has a tendency to isolate us. And so these kids can, can feel that um, they're, they're being isolated. Um, they're being separated from people who may care about them. And also that because they have a limited experience and limited life exposure that this carries on so much more weight. I think, you know, I think back now being almost 38 years old on some of the stuff that I thought was like really important and, you know, these things that people said to me in high school and like now, obviously with, you know, over 20 years of, of hindsight, I go, well, it really wasn't that big of a deal, but I got that because I've had 20 years of hindsight at the time. I was like, Oh my God, this is going to ruin me. And so when you have that and it's exacerbated by the, the perpetuity of it, um, it just makes it that much worse. I think. One thing that a lot of people tend to not understand is the physical aspect of bullying. So the, the punching, kicking, yes, will create bruises or physical ailments, but those heal. It's the psychological bullying, that psychological torment and torture that sticks with you. And the person that ever said, oh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is complete BS. Those words hurt, they dig, and they're everlasting. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. And and a, a thing I would like to add, like a, you know, we start hearing about cyberbullying, you, you immediately your mind goes to a demographic of thirteen to eighteen, right? <laughs> and it's not it, it, like that. That just that's the one where you you you, you kind of pay the most attention to because oh my gosh, these are kids, right? But cyberbullying at this point, you know, a lot of us have been around long enough to, you know, we, we grew up without the internet. We've seen it happen. It's not so true anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And I've got friends that are in their 20s and, and probably starting to get into their early 30s that are experiencing cyberbullying because it's just become the medium of, of communication now. Mm-hmm. The, the scariest thing is, is anyone can be cyberbullied anywhere any time by anyone 
and it can come from the least likely person. It can come from Janice from accounting. <laughs> yeah. Just because it's some... behind a screen with that anonymity that people can say things without fear of reproach. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, my wife's an instructor, and she's been operating Zoom meetings, and she had one of her students in a different teacher's course um, come in and immediately start dropping racial slurs and doing screen shares and drawing penises over the teacher. He was so brazen that, like, he's so used to being masked by the anonymity. I can't say that word. Anonymity. Edit that out, Joe. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> for that, that um, that's just he was in an online forum. That's how he, he he immediately snapped back. And my wife goes, "This kid is in my class every day, and he's not that bad. Like I would have never expected this from him, because there's accountability when you're in the classroom, when you're face to face with people. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as he got into this this medium that oh I'm online, he immediately be, like snapped into troll mode." Yeah, I think there is a a part of this that does have to do with the persona you create in an online context. Um, I can say that there was a situation somehow uh, a patient didn't get a hold of my number directly. What they did is they called uh, the hospital and the hospital, because the patient just simply said, oh, can I I speak to the doctor? It's, It's about blah, 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 blah. And they made up a reason and they just immediately forwarded the call to my cell phone. And I remember this very vividly. This is a couple of years ago now, but I was sitting on a couch with my daughter and I remember the person just saying very politely, hi, is this doctor issues? And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm used to getting calls from the hospital. I, that, so that didn't surprise me. So I said, yes. And they said, well, you're just a, and they dropped the N-bomb. They just you know, said things and then hung up. I couldn't even respond. Didn't get a chance to respond. And that's a phone call. It was a one-time thing. Hasn't happened since. I actually know exactly who it was because their voice is so distinct. Sounds like Woody Allen. But the point was like, what if that person actually made a threat to me? What if that person actually knew more about me? And and I realized that's, that's very easy to do. That's not, it's not complicated. I know I'm using doc issues as my name and stuff, but it's pretty simple to find out who I am. I, I, I get that. I, I realize that's a, that's a risk that I take in this field. But my point is, that's me saying that as a professional that actually can recognize that there are certain things I have to take seriously and, and I, you know, contacted the appropriate people. And, and how long ago was that? That was two years ago. Right. And, and the reason I say that, though, is because that's me with my knowledge and my ability to process what was happening. Put that in the shoes of someone that has none of that, has none of that experience, none of that training whatsoever, that could ruin their life. That person may not even be able to sleep at night because of something like that. So putting it in that perspective, it really makes me wonder. I used to think that the anonymity had to do with online forums. You would create a screen name, you create a username, you go on, you know, AOL Instant Messenger, and fine, you would still interact with people. But there was a certain level that you knew, even when you said things, it was it wasn't you, or at least that's the way some people looked at it. I didn't look at it that way. But I understood that some people looked at it that way. And it just allowed them to say and do things that they otherwise wouldn't in their regular lives. But I 
pretty much thrown out that theory because I'm on a, a, a forum called Doximity, which is specifically for physicians, and it uses your name. You can't sign on any other way. It is your professional mm. name and, and your credentials and all of that. And the things that, as physicians, people say to each other, it, it blows my mind. So it, it may just be the fact that it's this, this level of distance, this, this pure internet distance. I don't know what you want to call it. Because you're behind a screen. This. Yeah. Yeah, that old keyboard warrior, you know, the way we used to call it. So maybe that's it. Oh, I know, Alan, you you brought this topic up to the group. What, yeah. What was the motivation behind that? What's your experience with the, uh, the cyberbullying? Well, my stepdaughter is in seventh grade right now. And having her be stuck at home, she's not with us right now. She's with her grandparents. But she called up my wife and was talking about having issues with some of her friends and I might have misheard, but she made it kind of sound like she was trying to start drama just because she was bored. You know, the, the, there's all these kids stuck at home. You know, you, you can only play so many hours of video games, so many hours of reading, whatnot, before you're finally like, I got I to gotta go out. I got to do something. I can't go outside. I can't run to the park. Can't, you know, other ways that you used to blow off steam that you can't do right now because of what's going on. You just, you, you can't just go outside like even... There's been a couple times where my family and I have walked down to this down the street to the store. And when we come across somebody that's walking the other way, we go to the other side of the street because we want to follow social distancing and we're trying to set the example to our kids. And it's it's crazy. They want to go to the park, they want to go do all this stuff. We can't, sorry. And I can only understand I can only imagine what all the teenage kids are going through right now. All the I don't know, high school age kids and you know, who have grown up with this, grown up with the internet. Whereas when we, when I grew up and like you said, most of us grew up, it was in its infancy, you know, I I could like, like you were saying doc issues, I could never fathom creating a fake account and signing on as that account and pretending to be somebody else just to start stuff. And people do it all the time nowadays. You know, people do it sad as it may be. People will create accounts to make fun of themselves to try to get more attention, you know? They make it seem like they're being bullied when it's really just they're riding this this attention that they get from saying they're being cyberbullied, which is awful. Because then the people that are actually being cyberbullied are looked at and you're like, you're not getting bullied. No, you're not. You're just you're crying for attention. We all know. When in reality, they could be sitting at home devastated because you know all these people they thought were their friends are stabbing them in the back daily. It's got to be rough. Yeah, yeah, it does. Just recently, too, there's uh, been more and more resources to help uh, combat cyberbullying and uh, gaming uh, harassment online. Uh, there's actual uh, support hotlines now that you can call for support that are specialized just in that area to support gamers with uh, harassment in games or cyberbullying, which is truly amazing. But it also shows that... that it's something that's really needed and it's impacting a lot of people these days to have something so focused, you know, with yeah. a, uh, a support line like crisis text line. Uh, I actually, I, yeah. Games and online harassment hotline text two, three, three, six, eight. Great people. Free yep. confidential emotional support for folks in and around the gaming industry. That's awesome. Yeah. There are, there are esports players that have quit, you know, or, or, drastically reduce the amount of streaming because they're getting cyberbullied because as soon as they become 
you know, famous or they, they join a team or they gain any measure of success, it becomes a crabs in a bucket mentality where these people who don't have the, the skill or the, the capability to, to hang with them say, well, I can never beat them in a game, so I'll make them quit. And that's how I feel better about myself. It's, it, you know, it's such a projection thing. Um, and it's such a, a self-esteem issue that the only way that these people can feel better about themselves is to tear somebody else down just based on their success. And, uh, you know, it's, it's horrible. Um, you know, and, and to, to Alan's point, you know, I really do feel badly for the kids. I mean, my son is one year old and I, I shudder to think sometimes my wife and I talk about, you know, what he's going to, what he's going to go through. You know, I have a four-year-old niece and a two-year-old nephew. Like what are they going to experience when they get older going through, this you know because again we when we grew up you know yeah it was aol instant messenger but you locked off and that was it and mm-hmm. you didn't, with it it didn't follow you exactly it didn't follow you and you know i'm of the mindset at least me personally that if you're going to say something you know i don't say anything online that i'm not willing to say to your face um you know but that's that's me personally. And I know that there's unfortunately a lot of people that, that don't have that mindset, um, you know, and uh, on a side note, you know, and, and I've mentioned this uh, before, I don't, I think I mentioned maybe on, on my show, on our show, but um, I hate the, the, the term troll has been, I think devalued um, because trolling to me, trolling means saying something to intentionally get a particular response you're trying to incite a particular response now trolling just means anything anybody saying anything negative and i'm like no 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 that's that's not it trolling means you almost play dumb because you want to get people to go what are you stupid and you get them you get them riled up by saying Mm -hmm. something intentionally provocative to elicit that response that's what trolling is trolling is not just being a dick to somebody online and i i i you know, me being the, the pedantic person that I am, um, and I, I wear that hat proudly, um, I always get mad when I see, oh, they're, they're being trolled online. No, they're not. They're just being harassed. That's not being trolled. There's a difference. Those are two separate things. Exactly. Yeah. Someone has related, but they're but they're they are technically different. Trolling yeah. not, different than yours. Trolling is harassment. Or not all harassment is trolling. One thing I can recommend for Anyone that's either listening to the podcast, that's watching uh, the show live, is if you're being cyberbullied, reach out and talk to someone about it. You don't have to suffer in silence. There are people that are going to listen to you. There are people that are going to help you deal with what's going on. And like Anthony said, it's not going to be this way for the rest of your life. Things will get better. Any yeah. one situation that you're going through, it may sound like it's permanent, but it's temporary. So, you know, from moment to moment, even if there's anything that anyone is willing to say to, to help someone feel better, they're all out there. But unfortunately, we haven't developed as much as it, the Internet has developed uh, the ability to communicate. It has not created uh, telepathy or mind reading just yet. So there are so many people that are willing to stand up to bullies, but at the same time, there's no way that we know if a person doesn't say anything. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest concern. Uh, and I've seen it in, in chat rooms and, and 
of other scenarios where the person just feels overwhelmed because it was a group effort. It was a bombardment of multiple people trying to elicit a negative reaction to someone. And in that moment, it feels like there's nobody else that can, can possibly respond. And maybe it was set up that way, but the good news is the rest of life still exists. Offline still exists. And usually talking to people in those capacities still does have a positive effect. I would like to point out a positive with the technology that we're using right now. Obviously the fact that we're able to communicate each in our own locations and have such a fruitful discussion uh, is a, a great sign that clearly there are some positive things that can be done with this stuff. So we don't have to just automatically assume the worst when people are talking over the internet, but we know that it's a huge problem. We know that it's something that is not going to go away. I'm morbidly interested in how it evolves. Uh, I wonder if we're going to get virtual bullying in terms of holograms that now can, you know, push each other in the mud, but yeah, I hope it never comes to that. Uh, yeah, this is this is one of those things where I think we see bits and pieces of it. I don't think we ever really get the full scope of just how deep this is. Whatever numbers we have, it's just it's underreported. Sure, it is. Absolutely. Just like any other form of abuse, I'm sure there's a large portion of people that are just too afraid to say anything. So it's it's a percentage of, and that's it. Well, I think we kind of. Great. We could talk about this for forever, but we kind of did a, a circle around what we were talking about for this mental health topic. So, d- Joe, did you want us to kind of go into the the gaming news? All right. Let's let's start from the uh, the top here. Last of Us Two is being and <sighs> indefinitely, 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 and yeah. pre-orders are being refunded as well, out except for third party. That's a good thing. I mean, like if you're gonna if you're gonna delay it, that's the right thing to do. I I can understand why. I'm still very disappointed, but I can understand why. Yes. But with, with the delay, I can understand why they're doing it. Just because I was reading up on it, and due to the physical limitations for production and shipment, they they can't meet the demand. Makes well, sense. They're, yeah, they're, they're, but they could go digitally. Yeah, they're public press around that. That's probably the best way you could answer that. And it, you know, is basically is we want to deliver you a you yeah. we want to deliver you a finished product, and we can't do that right now. Mm-hmm. So, but releasing a post post apocalyptic uh, game resulting from a pandemic during a pandemic. It's kind of hitting the nail on the head. So it might not be the right time for it to be released, or it might be the perfect time, depending on who you are. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they just put it as, you know, like you said uh, previously, uh, that they can't deliver the experience for a, you know, day one launch that they want to with hard copies in the store, people lining up, you know, day one one release. They're not going to get that spike right now, you know. So they're going to wait until they can actually get that and get the hard copy, you know, 1 million, 2 million copy sales, you know, on top of just the digital ones. God, oh, imagine how long those lines would be if those tents have to be six feet apart. <laughs> <laughs> Leave them in 
can postulate this too with with the with the game model because like they they said they want to deliver the experience that they intended, and I with, think it was a different experience than in game, right? Well, I mean, is that it, it? It but it could be in game. It could be with the internet being throttled back so much and with limitations and and whatnot. Is there something that we're not you know, like? Is there behind the game that they, they they built in there that isn't ready for a throttled? Now, now hmm. here's the question: Do you think they're going to take this time to update some of the games so that maybe the day one update is? smaller or not needed or anything like that. that like say, hey, polish them a little more. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they will. Hmm. I hope they Can will. Can they? Or just make a massive day one patch. I, I don't I don't know if they can polish it after it's already been like printed on hard disks. Like yeah, there's so just the game's have gold, to, if I remember yeah. correctly. But they could just yeah. continue working on the, the code and make a massive day one patch. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I didn't know if I didn't know it was gold. Me neither. Yeah. Well, I mean, so at this rate, here baby. Had not played the the first one. I have not. I played it. My best friend couldn't get it out of the first town, and he gave up on the game. <laughs> 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 Last of Us is probably one of my top ten games of all time. Awesome okay. game. And when I played it, I wasn't a father yet. But playing it again now hits th- that oh, first section just hits so much harder. Yep. Suck. Oh, my favorite part of that game is when you're game. coming through the blizzard at the end. Oh mm. man, just listening to like the enemies talking about you like you're a ghost. It's like he's here, he's here, and then it's like, ooh, builds you up a little bit. I don't know. It was just such a powerful ending to that game that you know I'm looking forward to the second journey mm-hmm. uh we're talking about uh last of us last part of two them. yeah i i highly recommend playing that game to, to anyone yeah yeah what else is great what else oh. we got uh you were gonna say something i think yeah i was gonna say i'll, I'll add it to my list yeah it, it actually came out for free not long ago right on, on playstation plus i think so I, I have a, I have a Xbox One, and Switch. So, yeah, it's a it's a PlayStation exclusive, unfortunately. Wah wah. Well, then I won't add it to my list. Of course, yeah. it is right. <laughs> PlayStation <always> Five exclusives. <laughs> you and you and me, Anthony, we're the Xbox guys here. Yeah. It's always an exclusive. It's like yeah. ooh, PlayStation like Five backwards game. compatibility. <laughs> Speaking of PlayStation Five, on one uh, Halo. No. Uh, Infinite comes out and they can't play it. PC. <laughs> Hang. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just like Alan said, speaking of PlayStation Five, uh, PlayStation just released uh, just in the last couple days uh, what their PlayStation Five controller looks like. And if you ask me, it looks almost identical to the PlayStation Four Scuff controller. Looks like Eve from Wally. I actually dig well, that two-tone black and white. I dig the color scheme, too. I mean, it'll get dirty, but... You know, It'd be nice I, to see it have uh, some kind of customizable 
something on it. I mean, they had so many aftermarket paddles and buttons that you could put onto the PlayStation 4 controller. It'd be great to have the option with PlayStation 5. But that's one thing. You didn't see the back yeah. of the controller. With uh, the the extension that came out not long ago, so the, the, the paddles that you could get for the standard DualShock, I'm guessing it'll fit on this new DualSense 5 or it will have built-in buttons. I don't know. See, looking at it, that, that touchpad looks a lot bigger than it does on the PS4. So I don't yeah, know if it'll this, work. I don't know, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing. How often do you use the touchpad on a PlayStation 4 controller? Not much. It depends on the Pretty game. Rare. <laughs> a lot of the games that I play, like a lot of the single-player streamlined games, you know, the, the linear-based games, they'll they'll put it in just for, you know, S's and G's. Because, yeah, because we can. Because it's there. Use the touchpad to move this around. It, the oh. touchpad. Ah. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you what. There's a whole thing with the with with PS5 trying to announce their whole uh, new audio codec that they're trying to you know, right that, like they want to reinvent how game audio is, is done. I think because I know uh, they had done the 3D audio not uh, right. with the the platinum PlayStation Platinum headset, which is just a, a watered down version of Dolby Atmos. Right, it was a nice headset. Oh yeah, it's a good it's, headset. But they they want to keep hitching hitching their horses to these you know the, these kitschy technologies, and I think the one that that they're doing now is you know this uh, well, we wanted we wanted to put the touchpad on it and we're making it more prominent on the new controller. I think it looks like a giant croissant. <laughs> <laughs> True, <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, the memes are already coming out for it. I'm real curious to see what the rest of the console looks like. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm real excited about the Xbox, but I'm really burned on the S- Xbox in the sense that every single year they're releasing an updated console where PlayStation, when they release a console, that's the console. That's sure. the console for a long period of time. Right. So you know you're at least getting something that's going to be around for five years before they release a slim version or a different upgraded, you know, graphics version just for the people with, you know, so they can match the televisions that are coming out with current technology. Yeah. Sometimes the Sony, Sony come out with, comes out with technology in their game systems that isn't even in the TVs yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's prior. Yeah. It's they, they're forward thinking. They really are. The PS two days where, you get the PlayStation 2 and a DVD player. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, that was beautiful. For sure. Mm-hmm. Right? I think or more you get people a PlayStation use it for 3 a DVD player than a freaking gaming console. And a Blu-ray console. player. Yeah, true. And the PlayStation 3 was the best Blu-ray player, player, player oh, yeah. for a long time. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a, it wasn't a bear. I, I was so burnt out on trying to update freaking DVD players. All that stuff. All you do. All you'd have to do is just throw it in the PlayStation. Yep. Just let it go. Yeah, and I mean, I re- I respect the heck out of Sony for trying to push boundaries with audio and like with with all these technologies and just push boundaries um, because it really innovates in the market. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's curious to see what it, what the everything else with the the three D audio. 
done right, it's amazing. So I, in my theater that I have in my home, I have Atmos speakers. So I only have two, but it makes so much of a difference for properly encoded movies to have just those two speakers on the ceiling. It just adds that extra layer of immersion. I have 7.1 in my living room um, with uh, ceiling mounted speakers like in the ceiling Mm -hmm. um, set up. And let me tell you, it is, it is godly. Um, My, my receiver can handle uh, is at most capable. I think it's Mm -hmm. like, it can handle um, 7.2.2, I think, capable. Um, so I haven't gone for the the rear speakers in the Atmos yet. Um, but uh, one day, one day, I have to talk to my wife about it. But It, it uh, makes yeah. a difference. Because I have a 5.2.2. A friend of mine has a 5.2.2 in his, in his uh, office, and uh, it's, it's nice. Yeah. But, you know, the question then becomes how much content is there? This is the AK argument, right? Mm-hmm. How much but content Atmos is is it? something that is different than the 8K because it, it's due to the sound mix and the way that the sound bounces around. And if Sony can do it really well, right, it creates that extra level. Because if you're playing a game, so say you're playing Call of Duty, you can hear people around you but then you'll hear someone directly above you. You'll know exactly in pinpoint position where they are. Right. I actually experienced this as, as a, uh, as, as an accident. My, my tuner in my living room failed on me. So I had to buy a new one from Sony um, that I plugged in and set the, set the basic 5.1 profile. And my wife fires up destiny on her, on her Xbox on it. And I'm hearing sounds that I've never heard directional, right? Yeah. Like people over here that I've never heard on my Yamaha, a another renowned um, mm-hmm. mixer. It, it just, yeah, it, there's, there's something to the, you know, the immersion levels, right? Mm-hmm. But, and there's only so much that the visuals can do. It's adding those little bit of extras. Yeah, playing Battlefront in seven point one was uh, was it's really something. Cool. Is it is it really that much better? Oh like, yeah, because <laughs> I've, I've gone to the five point one to six point one to seven point one. I I I don't hear it. I don't I don't notice it. Having it around, but the way Atmos is done, so. Atmos is not the typical 5.1s. I'm going to go theater nerd here. It's rather than going one speaker to the other, Atmos will take it and it's pitching the audio around the room. So it's positional audio. Mm -hmm. So say you're playing Star Wars and a TIE fighter flies above you. You'll hear it from the right speaker come towards you, above you, and away rather than just kind of localizing in the speakers. Oh, man. That, I, I really need to take more advantage of my theater room. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my theater room, it, it's 
turned into a storage room now, but it's a little passion project that I have. Well, well, same, but I, I inherited when I bought my house. So mm. Ivy, I, I but yeah, when I, when I do get the chance, it's, it's amazing. But moving on, you had mentioned, uh, Nate, about Stadium. We yeah. haven't heard Stadium in a while. I, I know I get I get flamed every time I bring it up with within the forums because you know Stadia is, is it's I'm a Google fanboy, um, <laughs> so we had it, Stadia decided to, um, in, in light of COVID nineteen, uh, release their free model uh, early because they they hadn't. They really hadn't put a put a date on it, um, and include two months of their pro package with it. So, anyone it's a good offer? It's a very good offer. It was something I had actually pinged them on um, at the beginning of the whole COVID nineteen crisis when when a lot of when a lot of uh, uh, CBS had said we're going to give you a month of free service. And a lot of a lot of the media providers were saying, "Hey, we'll give you the month. We'll give you the month." And I pinged Stadia on it and said, "Why don't you do something like this as a goodwill gesture?" Um, and to my surprise, today they they said, "Hey, um, we're launching our free tier, and we're giving everyone." including the customers, which I am one of, um, the next two months for free. That's nice. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, is, which is great because the whole streaming, streaming gaming space is kind of an unknown. Um, there are basically three big competitors, and as I found out today, there's a fourth big competitor with uh, Amazon Tempo. Mm. I have not heard of that. Right. Kind of coming back into, into the forefront. It's not, it's not old news, but it's kind of new news. They're, they're ramping up. Um, Cause there's Google, there's Nvidia stadia. There's GeForce now, which is your, yeah, mm. your, yeah. Um, Xbox X cloud. Yep. And now Amazon Tempo. Um, That'll be a whole nother conversation as far as back end stuff on that. But um, a lot of the people, uh, I'm a Stadia fanboy, I'll admit it. <laughs> so when Stadia posts something, I kind of try to pump it up. And I get flamed immediately about people that have never tried the service flamed by them about how Stadia is garbage, Google is garbage, you know, your typical um, go back to a previous comment, uh, their troll mentality of like, we're just going to, we're going to poke you because we can. Um, so with Stadia releasing this, the free tier and the two months of pro, I put out a post that says, you know what, if you, if you ever, thought that a streaming service was not viable here's your opportunity to try it and that you know i was like i appreciate that that google did that yeah it's very cool though (laughs) awesome so if you don't have stadia or you want to check it out you'll get two months free yeah if if you don't think streaming is a is 
is something you can do, now you can find out with, with, without putting a dollar amount behind it. The, the main question or concern I would have is with everyone using the internet now and everything being a little throttled, how much of that's going to impact the streaming quality? And I will challenge that with, if you can get on now and have a good experience in the absolute worst case scenario, it's viable. Exactly, yeah. It's yeah. viable. Proof of concept. Testing sure. here to come. Right. Stay yeah. tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. We're all just beta testing everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, just real quick, uh, the other two points that uh, we had in the streaming news uh, – uh, mobile game Plague Incorporated. It's the most downloaded game in five countries, along with Pandemic 2. Shocker. Wonder why. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is still uh, releasing on time this year. They're looking for their September uh, release window. They made a statement earlier today. I believe that uh, they stated that they are working from homes and satellite. They've uh, planned for doing something, you know, having uh, an event like this where they all had to be at home and they're still working to full capacity and are able to support uh, the game and keep on their workload and came out and released uh, a statement today stating that they are still going to release on time and uh, which was really cool because it's a super hype game and uh, it was released uh, first clip, I think, believe it was last year, 2018's uh, E3 is when we got the first look at it. And Two years it was, ago. It was pushed back an entire year and then it was pushed back a second time. And it's nice to see that they're holding to it. And uh, this is the game that we got the uh, infamous, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves meme that's all over the internet now. You know, mm-hmm. you're, what is it? Anybody? No. Nobody wants to play. Is, where, is it very beautiful? Uh, breathtaking. 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 That's right. There you go. Mm. I knew somebody was going to get it. Mm. No. Yeah, it was. But I can't movie. wait for Cyberpunk. It looks yep. really good. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, truly awesome, and it's not far away. But uh, to keep us moving, I know we're running late. Uh, every, we're all super chatty tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How about uh, Dr. Goku? Um, so uh, we're at that moment right now where we're going to dive into our character analysis, and I'm so hyped for it. It's been uh, several episodes now since we've had one, and bring us into Mega Man. All right, Mega Man, so also known as Rock Man, uh, so taken from rock and roll. Um, he was created by cool. Capcom and first released in 1987 on the uh what in japan oh being the the famicom in the u.s being the nintendo entertainment system so with <laughs> over 30 years the character's been in numerous spin-off titles spanning uh between 50 to over 100 different games and tie-ins and oh this God. includes also his own television cartoon anyone remember the cartoon from back in the 90s yes Oh, yeah, oh, block. I blocked it out. <laughs> yep. A little known fact, the voice of Mega Man is also the voice of Goku. Yep. In the English dub. No way. If you didn't yes. say that, I was going to. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Yes, he is. True Don't story? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Huh. 
re-listening to it now, I was like, oh my God, it's uh-huh. the same guy. Yep. That's a neat little gem right there. So the original pixel art was created by Akira Katimura, and it was um, and redefine an illustration was credited to Keiji Inafune. And Inafune became synonymous with Mega Man. And he spearheaded most of the Mega Man franchise until he left Capcom. And he later tried to make a spiritual successor to the game called Mighty Number no. 9, which would fall really, really flat to the high standards that fans have of the game. It had a massive Kickstarter campaign and just burned on impact. <laughs> So the main series consists of 11 main games that while not in canon from Capcom, fans do believe that the original uh, Mega Man leads into the Mega Man X series and leads to uh, Mega Man Zero and ZX and then into Legends. I'm not going to go into all of that because that's a super convoluted timeline. Yeah, that literally spans thousands of years. (laughs) Yes, I, I'm just going to stick with Mega Man and X and because after that, it gets really wonky. What, so you don't original... like underwater levels? Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I, I don't mind some of the underwater levels. It depends. So the original games pioneered a new way to play games at it, as it asked the players to choose the path in defeating the various robot monsters. So while could all of the masters be beaten with a standard buster, each master had a specific weakness from another master's weapons. So if you found the best um, route, you could much easier uh, complete the game. And this is a system that is used in all of the Mega Man games. So while the games weren't much for plot, they did kind of flesh out an overarching mythos. So originally named Rock, Mega Man is an android that was created by the esteemed scientist Dr. Thomas Light and his partner Dr. Wiley in the year uh, 20, uh, well, 2000X. Dr. Light built a variety of robots to help mankind. Uh, many of the original Mega Man bosses served some form of utility to humanity. However, driven by greed and jealousy, Dr. Wily reprogrammed and stole Dr. Light's creation, turning the once uh, helpful and peaceful robots against humanity, becoming robot masters. So Rock, who was conceived uh, at being more of Dr. Light's child and lab assistant around the age of 10, volunteered to be converted into a fighting robot. Together with his sister Roll and dog Rush, they set off on an 11-game journey to protect the world from Dr. Wily. The games follow a very similar formula where Dr. Wily cups up some plan to control all the ro- uh, the robots and control the world and Mega Man has to go and stop him. Rock is very different from other robots. He has the ability to turn himself off which gives him more autonomy than other robots. He also has the ability to make decisions and use judgment but also burdens him with self-awareness questioning and seeking for his purpose in life. 
This is also transferred to the graphical style of Mega Man. So the character was composed of two independent sprites moving in unison to uh, circumvent the hardware limitations at the time. And it gives Mega Man the ability to show emotion, which is something that wasn't really done in games at the time. While Rock was Dr. Light's proudest achievement at the time, he was far from the first. So Proto-Man was Mega's predecessor and older brother. So Proto-Man was uh, intended to be the first humanoid uh, robot capable of achieving independent thoughts. However, difficulties with his energy systems would eventually make him stop functioning. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could listen. Fortunately, I can't. (laughs) Fearing being shut down for the repair and it changing who he was, uh, Protoman fled his self in a self-preservation tendency. He was later found by Dr. Wiley, uh, fixed with a new nuclear reactor, and given his trademark shield and helmet. He would serve Dr. Wiley until Mega Man 3, where Protoman realized his good nature and fought with Mega to stop Dr. Wiley. So not much character development was made in the series due to it having more of a focus on gameplay rather than story. However, in Mega Man 7, we see a very big turn. So Mega Man seemingly is fed up with continuously battling Dr. Wily and him uh, threatening to kill humanity and overthrow uh, governments and take control of the world. So Mega considered killing Dr. Wily in Mega Man 7. This is a very reminiscent of Batman versus Joker in terms of their dynamic. So kind of see Return of the Joker. I don't know if everyone's oh. seen that uh, movie. Oh, maybe. It's amazing. A DC animated movie. <laughs> so while not much is known uh, about how the events of Mega Man led to Mega Man X, we know that it's a new iteration um, from Dr. Light. So in the year 21XX, simply known as X, this new reploid is a maverick hunter trying to maintain peace, order, stability to a world that has been ravaged by the Sigma virus and the mavericks. We later learn in Mega Man 10 of the robo-enzo virus that would turn robots mad. Some fans believe this could have been the precursor to the Sigma virus. So X is the first robot to have free will, sentience, and independent thought. While a remarkable achievement in robotics, it could also have proven very catastrophic. This is why X was kept in stasis for 30 years, running extensive diagnostics and good or bad decision-making exercises to make sure that he was safe. X was later found by Dr. Kane, an archaeologist, after Dr. Light's passing and became the building block for all future reploids. X goes on a multi-game journey against Sigma to to protect all humans and reploids from the dangerous virus. During X's creation, we also learn that Dr. Wily created an advanced robot of his own, who is named Zero. Upon Zero's awakening, he went berserk, killing many in the progress. 
We also learned that zero was the one that spread the Sigma virus. It infected Sigma, who was once the leader of the peacekeeping reploids. We later learned that the virus is Dr. Wiley's disembodied consciousness, making him the series' overarching antagonist. This leads to Mega Man Zero, which... uh, kind of makes the series go crazy. And then it goes to ZX and Legends. And again, it really gets convoluted there. So (laughs) Mega Man harkens back to the classic tale of Pinocchio, where an elderly man made a young boy who embarked on an adventure. Being a robot, this brings into questions Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics, which state a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to uh, come harm to harm a robot must obey orders given uh, uh, given it by humans except when such an order uh, would conflict with the first law and a robot must protect its own existence as long as its protection does not conflict with the first or second law so robo psychology isn't really something that is really studied, but it kind of comes into play within the Mega Man mythos. While Mega Man, and even more so with X, have free will, they live um, in, uh, by and in challenge of Asimov's laws. While Mega contemplated killing Wily, this was, uh, would also have gone against the first law, but Mega made a choice not to kill Wily not due to him being a robot and listening to the laws of robotics, but him making a conscientious decision of right and wrong. Mega Man challenges the question of the meaning of one's life and explores the uh, existential crisis. We see this a few times in the games, certainly in the X series, where Mega or X often questions why they're fighting if they're fighting uh, is the right thing to do, or is it because they were built to do it? They were both the master of their destiny, but also a slave to it. Hmm. So what is is everyone's impression of of Mega and and X? Okay, (laughs) I'll jump in. My my little... (laughs) Right in the back here. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll definitely jump in there. And as soon as you mentioned Pinocchio, I I love that because just the idea that it's clear that you didn't have a choice in the fact that you exist, but you do have a choice in what you do with that existence. So mm-hmm. I'd like to say that compared to the other characters in any of the games the original Mega Man, Rock Man, and then X, and to a certain degree, Zero, Proto Man, those characters, the whole point is they have agency. There is a certain decision tree that they're always going to have to go through to get the best results. And sometimes it works well, sometimes it doesn't. Even the gameplay really dives into that. You can literally just take your original Buster and just go through and it's going mm-hmm. to be a nightmare to play, but you can do it. If you're, I guess if you're a stoic, the obstacle is the way, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, there are alternatives. And if you learn from your 
opponents, learn from your enemies. You can pick up other skills, other items, and it allows you to have better results than you would if you had just shut down all of your mental capacities and just did things the hard way. So the idea that you can branch out and have different paths, ultimately wanting the same result can lead to these further conflicts because I, I know you mentioned them wondering were they just made to do this or, or is it the right thing to do in terms of fighting? At times, I think there's also a question of, is this, uh, especially with Sigma, is this futile? Because the number of times that they defeat him and in one way or another, at one point he, it's clear, it's made clear. He's barely existing in the series and, Mm -hmm but he's hanging on and you still have to battle him. So it's almost like how many times is this going to be fought again and again? Is this really worth it? Is there anything mm-hmm. else that's, that's worthy of this? And, and ultimately they still come to the conclusion that yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of coming back to that Batman versus Joker. Yeah. Batman yeah. not wanting to kill Joker, but then every time Joker gets out, he continues to kill and wreak havoc. Right. Right. And that's going to lead everyone else to put that burden. Okay, we know that you're the hero. We know that you're going to fight this for us. But is there a way that we could potentially do this so that it doesn't happen over and over again? And, and yeah. yeah, no one else gets hurt in the process. Right. Right. And the fact that, as you already pointed out, we're not talking exact humans. So in theory, it could be a sacrifice. But then that gets into the realm even beyond Asimov. I mean... The whole point with Asimov's series was that these laws, no matter how they're made, are going to have these unique situations where they're either going to be manipulated or, or just unexpected circumstances that are going to put them in challenging circumstances, even if you don't have certain laws, because the point is humans, for selfish reasons, we're going to create those laws. We're going to make sure we do what we can so that these other things don't become harmful. That goes away when, in theory, when Light and Wiley go away. Their holograms are there giving old information with X, but they're, quote unquote, not there anymore. And yet, the fact, the idea that people that were so powerful to to get this into motion could still have such a lasting effect, such a lasting legacy, uh, it, it, it really starts to... to I think bring the characters down a bit. They, just the idea, like how, how is it that we're still dealing with this over a century later? And then mm-hmm. I know you didn't even get to the rest of the series, which, Oh God. just <laughs> But just... It, it, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And, and, and I think that was it. I think it was the fact I, I, I agree with that stopping point because I think the way it started to be written, people started to realize like, no, nah, we, we've kind of reached the apex. We know that once you, when you start past, getting into cyber elves, that, yeah. that's just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As long as you keep the humanity point or the humanoid part of it and, and keep it at that level, it's something that everyone can relate to because mm-hmm. we are all in positions. I know for a fact, I can't just go to my boss and say, well, I don't want to do things this way right now. I mean, I could, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get a result that I would like. So I have to work within constraints. We all have to work within constraints. That doesn't mean that it has to be a a doom and gloom situation. It doesn't have to be the apocalyptic type of scenarios where everyone's running 
running wild, which actually is is germane to what we're dealing with now. We have a situation where there's a concern that because of everyone losing their jobs or many people losing their jobs, uh, people being socially isolated for the sake of humanity, uh, that we've never gone into this territory before. And we are relying right now on technology to keep things as normal as possible. I think that fits very well into the series. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I don't have to make a decision. You know, it's, I, I just get to see patience. I don't have to say, oh yeah, let me, um, let me convert my, my arm into a blaster and, and uh, make sure that you don't destroy <laughs> the planet. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we can we could deal with it on a much smaller scale than someone like Mega Man, that you know, I, I just appreciate the fact that we can live this out in fantasy and not have to worry about it in reality. Well now I'm disappointed because I totally want to see you convert your arm into a blaster and fight some of your patients. Uh, well well I can convert can one of my fingers buy right a, now. A Mega Man blaster. <laughs> That's life sized. <laughs> uh, oh, it's getting real now. <laughs> yeah, Anthony, I can convert one of my fingers if you want, you know. <laughs> really? He's like, seriously? <laughs> uh, of course not. Go ahead. No, Fire it off. No, I'm kidding. Uh, don't do that. No, that was really cool. Uh, I never really knew that much about Mega Man. Always been exposed to him. Never mm-hmm. dived into it. So that was wicked interesting. And I could literally listen to you guys go on longer talking about Mega Man because it seems like there's about a hundred years worth of you know mm-hmm. topics and everything with mm-hmm. Mega Man because he's just literally like you said earlier in over a hundred mm-hmm. different adaptations he is the character that has the most games or tie-ins of any character the only thing I do want to touch on is how when the, it was released in the U.S., the, uni- the U.S. artists for the oh, first no. Mega Man game oh, oh, God. butchered oh, uh, Mega Man, Mega Man on the 1 front and 2 cover. were so bad. Uh, it was like, I know that that's, uh, that's like the so, basis of what my knowledge of Mega Man was. So, like. so to the artist's credit, he said he had about a day and a half to do that artwork. And he asked about it because he saw the game itself. And he said, well, what is he shooting? He didn't know what he was shooting. And the information he got was, well, it has to be some sort of gun. And so hmm. he's like, you mean like a pistol? And whoever was feeding him the information. Now, mind you, this is in translation. It's not directly in English. And he said, yeah, it's a gun. So I said, okay. And there you go. He draws a gun. Yeah. They actually, there was an unreleased game. I think it was called Mega Man Universe. Yes, it was. Mega Man Universe, where you would have been able to play as the box art Mega Man. Yes. You would have been able to play as uh, Arthur from Ghosts and Goblins and Ryu and a whole host of other Capcom um, games, Bionic Commando. Um, I I think about that game often because I really would have been interested to see what it would have been like to traverse some of the classic Mega Man levels um, with a completely different skill set than just the jump and shoot. Um, But for whatever reason, um, I don't know exactly why the game was canceled, but I mean, I remember that that trailer. You can still go on YouTube and and check it out. it's just such a cool look, but yeah, the, the Mega Man box art would have been one of the playable characters um, with the corny yellow and blue with the gun and everything. Um, 
Yeah, I never, I never had the original Mega Man, but I did have Mega Man 2 for NES, and I played the bejesus out of that game, um, and 3, um, and then X for Super Nintendo. That was where my... Uh, but Mega Man, uh, the whole hook of those games was they were unrelenting. Oh, yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. It's pattern recognition. Um, it, that's all it is. And you have to just pick up on the patterns and then just just do it. Um, and I've streamed Mega Man 2. Uh, I did it for, for an Extra Life Challenge where my goal was to beat Mega Man 2 in under an hour and a half. And every time I died, I had to do burpees. And the more people donated, the more burpees I had to do. Um, and I beat it in like an hour and 25 minutes with on my last life with two bars of health left. I managed to beat the Dr. Wily alien uh, with the bubble weapon. And uh, I would have cried, literally cried on, on stream had I lost because it would have been like, no. Yeah. Um, that really so shows I, that you got guts, man. Doc. Ooh, you're just letting it go. That's, that's heat, man. That's heat. <laughs> you know, oh, I mean, awesome. and, like for me, can, can I, it, just, it has nothing to do with the character. The music is just. Oh, the music. Oh, yeah. Mega Man 2's oh, yeah. music was so good. Mega Man 2, and then Mega Man X, uh, Spark Mandrel. That theme is like, I have that on my running playlist. I have so much of the Mega it's Man my music. my ringtone. Stop. <laughs> Spark Mandrel is your ringtone? No, it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Smart, Spark Mandrel or um, uh, Storm Eagle? It's one of the two. Storm, wow. Storm, Storm, Storm was another really good one. Storm Eagle. You, you know a guy. That old <laughs> Nintendo music, that was all meaty too, wasn't it? What was that, Al? Yeah, it's Storm. Storm Eagle is my, my ringtone. Okay. Okay, I can respect that. Storm Eagle is my second favorite thing. Spark Mandrel is like one of my, probably I would say one of my top five favorite video game level themes of all time. But the music with Mega Man is, it's so complex given its simplicity. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. And everyone knows that iconic... Uh, intro screen for Mega Man 2 yep. and Dr. Wily's Castle. Yep. Yeah. To me, the only dud of a theme in Mega Man 2 is Woodman. Um, just, I never cared for it. Um, but, uh, but I mean, every other one, like Quick Man, Flash Man, Metal Man, um, even, even Air Man, um, you know, has, uh, and it, they just, the sound like immediately transports you like to that kind of a level. Like you hear, you hear Heat Man's theme, and you're like, okay, this is a very hot level. You know, Air Man gives you that, like, okay, we're floating kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Metal Man just has that that, that gritty gear type sound mm-hmm. to it. It's just... Uh, With I, Mega I, Man 2, doing my research, Mega Man 2 was actually an afterthought by, by Capcom. They weren't planning on making a second game. It was a passion project by Inafune and the team where they were just um, working these crazy 20 hour days. So they were doing their work on other games, staying after work to work on Mega Man two. 
Mm. Wow. That, that one sort of re- reinvigorated the franchise. It eliminated the scoring, um, you know, increased the robot masters from six to eight. Mega Man two really just sort of kicked the franchise into high gear. And then that set the, the bar and everything since then. Yeah. That, you know, that, that must've been a pretty bright man to come up with that. <laughs> Doc. This doesn't end by the way. I'm sorry. I know he doesn't on our show. <laughs> Do you have a list just created of all, all the puns that you can do with Mega Man or uh no. Right now these are all off the top of my off the top of my head. I mean if I used my skull better, probably. Um maybe I need to turn over, you know, like no 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 no. You know what? This is one of those situations where I I could come up with three or four at a time, but it, it would really derail us, and I don't want to do that because it's so late as it is. <laughs> We're derailed beyond belief yeah, anyway. Yeah, we, we always derail. <laughs> it, it's no, but- kind of part of us. Are you saying you yeah. need to drill in, man? You know, come on. <laughs> oh, I yeah, yeah. That this, one. this, this just, mm. just you, keeps you going. Just, yeah, you, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> this is what I deal with every every friggin' time. Twenty years I've been putting up with this, but you love it. <laughs> but yeah. that's a wrap for us for tonight. Uh, we're running pretty far off off schedule but uh before we go uh thank you both for coming on with us and uh why don't you give a shout out to capes on the couch where people can find them where people can find you all the goodies uh thank you uh well first off you know uh, doc and i are so uh, so glad to, to know you and be friends with y'all and uh, we're very grateful for this opportunity to uh to guest with you and looking forward to the next mental health avengers uh, episode and uh you know dr goku you're welcome on uh, our show anytime uh you know we'll let figure me know out. and i'll be on <laughs> I, I i appreciate that definitely um our show is uh our website is capes live or capes uh we're available on pretty much all the major uh podcatchers uh we're on facebook instagram and twitter at capes on the couch uh, we have a Patreon page. Uh, we did suspend our payments for the month of April um, to let folks uh, keep a little bit more of their money um, due to the, to, uh, the economic uncertainty. Uh, but we do have a Patreon page with some uh, exclusive content, um, trade paperback reviews, longer versions of skits, uncensored stuff, etc. We have a T Public site uh, where you, if you go to tpublic.com and you search for Capes on the Couch, you can buy uh, merch with our logo on it. We are finalizing our second design for our uh, merch um i am also on twitter and instagram at anthony sitko anthony s-y-t-k-o and uh, doc is on twitter at doc issues although he never posts so <laughs> um i think that uh that about covers it right doc yep you got it you got it uh, episode's coming every wednesday um Wednesdays at 6 a.m so if you subscribe um you know drop us uh, drop us a line let us know what you think uh, we do also we do have our own Discord server, um, so uh, tinyurl.com slash capes discord capital C capital D, and uh, so I know I know uh, Joe and, and Goku um, and one or two of the uh, the Guardians folks um, have swung on over to to our Discord, but certainly um, you know we've got RTS bot in our server as well. So thank you for setting thank that you. up. Thank you. Uh, I think that's that's about it. Fantastic. That was everything. I love how you threw in. If you follow the doc, he does not post. Damn right. Well, I, I would tell right you I don't. follow him, but it's just going to be a follower for him, and you're not going to get any content. Really. Yeah, sorry. 
Yeah, sorry. I, sorry, I, not I sorry. <laughs> I love it. Well, fantastic. Uh, it's been a blast having you both on. Uh, I loved uh, the topic that we touched on and just everybody was just so chatty tonight and there's so much organic conversation going on. It was just such a great, great night. Um, you can find us, uh, Guardians MH, on Twitter. Uh, you could also find us on uh, uh, twitch.tv backslash guardians mh uh you can also email us at support at guardians mh.org uh listen to us on itunes podbean and wherever you get your podcast on your favorite podcast app uh you can also find us and support us on patreon we also have one of those as well and we also uh, have a thing if you have a discord server we have a thing called the rts bot stands for real-time support bot it is a mental health resources bot that you can invite into your server uh free totally free resources has over 130 plus resources on it for you and your community to uh bring resources to you and uh much more you can join us on our discord that's pinned to our twitter and that's pretty much a wrap for us pretty mm-hmm. much i stuttered stammered a little bit but you'll never know because i'll edit it out <laughs> now thank you everybody for tuning in with us and thank you both again anthony doc thank you so much you guys have a wonderful night and we'll catch everybody else next time Thanks. see you later bye everyone bye bye, bye. all right Later, y'all. Good night. Bye. See ya.